0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. We have set apart Wednesday night services for the purpose of teaching on faith, and we've been talking about a comprehensive study on faith. This is the third lesson. There is a tremendous and dire need for each and every one of us to rise up to higher levels of faith. Every one of us needs to have great faith in God. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, we're going to begin reading at verse 14. But before we do, let me just ask this question to those of you that have been attending these services on Wednesday evening. After reviewing many of the statements that Jesus made on the lines of faith, what do you conclude for yourself? What do you conclude? As far as I'm concerned, Jesus was brutal when it came to teaching His disciples' faith. He left no room for error in their lives after studying all the statements that he made about faith and about the lack of faith, I conclude that Jesus considered faith to be one of the most important things in a person's life. And that a person's personal faith can be developed enough enabling that person to control what happens to him in this life to be in control of his own life and destiny. A person's personal faith in the living God would enable him to control life's circumstances and outside forces. As a matter of fact, to the person who has faith, all things are possible, is what Jesus said. Jesus did not set any limitations. And Jesus rebuked people for having little faith. He criticized Peter for walking on the water and then beginning to sink when he saw the wind boisterous. He did not commend his faith. He said, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? So he was brutal when it came to teaching along the lines of faith. And you know what, beloved, I believe he taught that way because he wanted us to know the importance of developing our faith lives. And we can't rest in the fact that we made it halfway there on the water. God's point was that we get back into the boat or that the miracle be consummated or that we'd get results, that our faith would be effective in overcoming life's difficulties and circumstances and situations so that we would be in control and the world would not control us. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 14, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and findeth a way. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answering him, he answereth him, And saith, O faithless... Everybody say faithless. Faithless. Say it again, faithless. Faithless. What did Jesus say? Faithless Faithless generation. Was He upset with that generation? Did He say that a generation had faith? But if you tell people today that they are faithless, that's an insult. And why did He say they were faithless? Because they couldn't cast the devil out. See, in the mind of Jesus, casting devils out should be commonplace when it comes to believers. And because they couldn't do it, he said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. I'll set the standard. I'll show you the way. I'll show you your potential. I'll let explosions take place on the inside of you so that you can see your potential in God. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the Spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child, and oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, isn't that how we are with God? Now, Lord God, if you can do something... Now, God, why don't you do something? Come on, Lord, you've got to do something about this situation now. And see, we've been programmed to think like that. Now, God's got to do something. God has to intervene. God, where are you at? Are you hearing me? Answer. Do something. Show yourself strong. Do something, Lord God. This is what the man is saying. I went to the... Probably the others, but I went to your disciples. I went everywhere I could possibly go. And now I'm coming to you. And if you can do anything, Lord... Look at this. If thou canst do anything... He says to him, Have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe. Notice, he said to Jesus, If you can, Jesus said to him, If you can. See, it's not what I can, it's what you can. It's not what I can do, it's what you can believe. That's powerful, saints. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Another statement that Jesus makes along the lines of faith is overwhelming to the human mind. There are no limitations here. Jesus opens up the door to make impossibilities possible to those that believe. And says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So don't look to what I can do. Work on what you can believe. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said, I'm insulted. You've hurt me. My feel-bads are hurt all over. What kind of a teacher are you? What kind of a helper are you? I'm angry. No. No, the man replied with tears, Lord, I believe. Now listen carefully. In other words, with all I'm capable of believing with, I believe right now. Help thou mine unbelief. In other words, I'm aware that there's room for improvement along the lines of faith in my heart. And if there's anything you can do to help me and help my unbelief, then do it right now. And the man was sincere. I mean, the man recognized his inabilities. He recognized his shortcomings. And he appeals to Jesus and says, with all that I have, I believe. But where I missing it with unbelief, help me. And apparently, that moved Jesus because as we read on, in verse uh, 24 or verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee to come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Now, I think that helped the man's unbelief. Can you imagine how he looked at his son for the first time being free in so many years from these demon powers? First of all, do we even think in our minds that we know what it's like to have a child like that who is not in control of his mental faculties, constantly trying to commit suicide? What a condition... Can you imagine how weary the man must have been, the family must have been, trying to deal with a child of this nature over these many years? Now, all of a sudden, he sees his child delivered, completely free from this demon bondage, and he probably looks at his father and says, Dad, and the father embraces him recognizing what Jesus did, He probably said, I'll never doubt the living God again. I saw what He was like all these years and now I see Him free. Can you imagine His heart? Can you imagine what that did to give His faith a boost? I can. Well, beloved, Jesus when he taught faith, made some brutal statements. He said, if you can't believe God for food, clothing, and shelter, you have little faith. He said, when the storms of life are raging, coming at you, and you doubt God, oh, ye of little faith. If you're overcome by the pressures of the storm and the circumstances, he said, oh, ye of little faith. If you find yourself in a situation where the circumstances of life had have gathered round about you like Peter did, and I'm talking about storms coming, winds blowing and waves heading your way and you're out there walking on the water and you give up on your faith for a moment, he says, oh ye of little faith, why did you doubt? I mean, only one can imagine why Peter doubted. He went on to say that Through your faith, you can overcome disease. Through your faith, you can overcome demons. Through your faith, you can multiply the loaves and the fishes. Through your faith, you can remove mountains. Through your faith, you can uproot trees. Through your faith, you can get your prayers answered. Through your faith, you have no limitations. Through your faith, nothing is impossible. Beloved, every single one of us should be doing something positive about developing greater faith in the living God. We should be doing something something uh, positive about eliminating doubt and unbelief from our minds and our hearts. Why? Because Jesus said, Look, if you'll believe it, it's possible for you. If you don't doubt from your heart but believe it, it'll come to pass. And so you see, when life's circumstances come our way and we bend under the pressure of the circumstance, then I guess we would qualify as one having little faith at that time. Now, I don't know about you, but we've all been there before and I don't want to continue along the lines of little faith. What about you? I want to do what is necessary to rise up to a place where I can have great faith in the living God and do something about the fact that oftentimes we have unbelief and we doubt the promise of God and we cave in under the pressure of circumstances. I don't know about you or where you're at but I know where I'm at and I want to develop a greater faith in a living God. I want you to turn with me to Mark's Gospel in chapter 4. Go on back there if you would please because, beloved, I believe that faith is the power of access and with it, we can become the same as Jesus was. Faith is the power of access. Faith gives us access to being like Jesus. Did you hear that statement? Faith gives us access to being like Jesus. And in Jesus' mind, that statement is true. He revealed it to His disciples in His teachings. I wonder if we could pick it up here in these two passages of Scripture that I'm going to reveal to you. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, again, we've read this story before, but we'll read it again in verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Now let's... Go on. I don't want to stop there. Look at the next verse because this is what I want to bring out. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want you to listen to that question and let it sink in your heart. What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him. You have to understand, beloved, that men don't just walk around rebuking the wind and the sea. They were not accustomed to anybody exercising such authority. So to them, this was something new and far out. Can you imagine how they marveled when He said, Peace be still, and all of a sudden, boom, the storm stopped? The wind obeyed? The sea obeyed. And their question that they had in their mind was this, what manner of man is this? Now hold that thought and look at Luke 17, that even the wind and sea obey. What manner of man is this, that forces like the wind and sea obey him? And look at verse 5. And the apostle said unto the Lord, Luke 17, 5, increase our faith. Now, all of a sudden, they are recognizing the fact that their faith has room for improvement. They can have an increase of faith in their lives. And listen, and the Lord said, very important now, if you had faith, if you had faith, underline that segment, if ye had faith, now we'll just kind of skip over as a grain of mustard seed. Look at the next segment. Ye might say, if ye had faith, ye might say. Now this is Jesus, our Lord teaching. He says, if ye had faith, ye might say. And then he says, under the sycamine tree be thou plucked up, be thou planted in the sea. And look at the latter part now. And it should, everybody say obey. obey. Say it again, obey. Obey, obey you. Jesus was not speaking of Himself. They're marveling at Him and who He is, and Jesus is trying to get into their minds the thought that they too can exercise faith the way He did. He's trying to teach this lesson to them but they have a hard time grasping it. Why? Well, normally people don't speak to wind, to the wind, or to the sea. People don't usually walk up to a tree and speak to it. But Jesus said, If you have faith, you might say to the street, and it would say everybody again, obey. Obey, obey you. Are you seeing this? They marveled and said, What manner of man is this that the wind and sea obey Him? Jesus said, If you had faith, you would say to that tree and it would obey you. Have we ever thought about trees being obedient to us? And not only would you do what is done to this tree, you would say to that mountain, Be thou removed, and it would obey you see we don't think in terms like this that these forces have to obey us it's hard to get our kids to obey us and probably for that reason we don't think of other things just doing what we tell them to do but you know Jesus was trying to instill within their hearts and minds that they too have the same potential to do the things He did with the same type of faith that He had? And I'll tell you what, Jesus wasn't easy on them. Where is your faith? Why did not you speak to the wind? Jesus is coming from a different, totally different place. His mindset is so far different to Him, it's like, why did not you speak to it? It would obey you. They're like, Look at this storm. We're going to die. No concept that they have the ability to speak to the wind or the sea. Are you seeing this? We have to say this. What manner of man am I that I can speak to the tree and it would obey me? You want to know what faith's biggest problems is? We're down on ourselves too much. Who, me? Speak to that like Jesus did. See, we are constantly warring with a low self-esteem, a low self-image, inferiority because of the fall of men. We're so unworthy and all these things that people say. And that's a problem that people have. Jesus is trying to put something in them to tell them, you can speak to that tree, you can speak to that mountain, you can say, and it would obey... But you see, that doesn't register in man's mind. Why? Because he doesn't know what manner of man he is. That's why he, they question saying, what manner of man is this? Now, wouldn't you say we should answer that question? Yes. What manner of man is this that the wind and sea obey him? And if we can answer that question, then, beloved, I believe we can start rising up in the same kind of faith because what manner of man... Am I? What manner of person are you that you have the authority to say, and something like a tree would obey you and of course, you know we 're not talking about mountains or trees, we're talking about demons, disease, we're talking about circumstances, we're talking about all kinds of things, financial problems and everything else. we're talking about interferences that are coming into family lives and, and all that. But Jesus is trying to make it clear to this these people that they too are the same manner of person. The faith that Jesus displayed in His earth walk, beloved, was directly related to what manner of man He was. And the reason why He was able to do the things that He did was because of the person He was on the inside. And if we too desire to speak to mountains and uproot trees, to rebuke devils and demons, to to exercise authority over sickness, to rise up above emotional problems, to use our authority to be victorious in this life, then we too must be transformed into the same manner of man that he is. And too often we're working on the external and not on the internal and we miss it entirely. If we want to speak with such authority, then we must recognize who we are inwardly. Be changed inwardly into what manner of man he was and is. And then when we speak, it will be with authority because of who we are on the inside. Look at Romans chapter 8, if you would please, to show you this is not off base. In Romans chapter 8, we are told by the Spirit of God through Paul that we are to be conformed to the very image of Jesus. We'll never do the external without first being changed internally. We'll never be able to exercise the quality of authority that Jesus did without first being conformed to who He is inwardly. And we become the same manner of man that he is. In verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, beloved, you and I have been called to be conformed to the image of Jesus, not outwardly, We're not going to look like Him physically, but inwardly we've been called to be conformed to His image. And when we begin being changed into that image and conform to what manner of man He is inwardly, then outwardly we are going to have the same display of faith that calls for obedience whether it's sickness disease demons circumstances trees mountains whatever it is is going to have to bow and get out of our way if we recognize that you see no one wants to be limited in this life now I don't know about you but I don't like being under the control of outside forces or powers do you? Anyone here here want to be ruled by demon forces? Anyone want to be overcome by sickness or disease or victimized by the circumstances of life? No one enjoys being dominated in life. We want our liberty. We want our freedom. We want to be able to enjoy life to the fullest, don't we? We want to exercise our rights and privileges as children of the Most High God, just like Jesus did. And, beloved, when it came to Jesus, no one or nothing had the upper hand on Him. He lived His life victorious even when it came to the time of His death. He said, if I didn't allow you, you would have no power over me. I can call for a legion of angels right now for my deliverance, didn't He? So from beginning to end he was in complete control and when they finally took him to stone him, throw him off the brow of the hill, he passed right between them showing you have no power over me. What an example to follow. Can you see that? And we all really inwardly desire that. Every single one of us wants to live victorious in this life. We don't want to be dominated. We don't want to be controlled. We don't want to be ruled. We don't want to be victimized. We want to be in control. We want to exercise authority and we want to to really be victorious in this life and overcome the world and all that it throws our way. Isn't that true? Well, beloved, he is telling us how we must be conformed into the same manner of man that he was if we expect to do what he did. And as I said, in the mind of Jesus, His disciples should have been doing it. He expounded to them all the truth before they got in the boat and went out there. Now, let me take just a moment to to say, to explain that. Before they got into the boat and were to depart to go to the other side, Jesus expounded to them all about faith. You read Mark 4, He gave them the parable of the sower and the seed. The parable of the kingdom and its operation. He probably told them that what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth will come to pass. So there's no need for you to fear. And when you find yourself in difficult straits in life, you have the authority from the inside of you to tap into the faith of the living God. You can speak out and these things are going to obey you. Well, how can you explain that to us? How can you say that to us? Well, I came from heaven to tell you. I am the Word made flesh. I brought all things into a being by the word of power. I uphold all things by the word of my power. And I'm telling you that you have the power to tap into the faith of God. So now when you find yourself in difficult straits, he is saying to them, you speak to it. You exercise authority. You use the faith that you have. They get in a boat. He said, let us go to the other side. They begin to go. The storm arises. They're going to sink and and die. Lord, don't you care. Boy, he wakes up. He rebukes the wind, the storm. He said, how is it that you have no faith? I just taught you. I expounded. I did everything I possibly could. And here you are full of fear and doubt. You see where he was at? See, he had high expectations of them. He was teaching them and they couldn't grasp or understand fully what he was trying to say. Conformity involves change. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 3, if you would please. If we are going to change, that change must be from within. If we are going to conform to the kind of man that Jesus says we ought to be, then we've got to change from within how many of you are aware that inwardly you can change to be more like Jesus inwardly there can be adjustments made in your spirit that would allow you to display or demonstrate a greater measure of faith are you aware of that or are you at the right now demonstrating the the pinnacle of your faith my goodness i pray that i'm not Because I know there's a whole lot more that I can do with these changes that God wants to take place in my life. There's a whole lot more that we can do with our faith for God and for the advancement of His kingdom. It requires change inwardly. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians 3. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image stop there just for a moment that is beyond human comprehension we are changed into the same obviously he doesn't mean the same as Jesus oh yes he does the same image we've been called to be conformed to the image of his son well what manner of man is this well think about it he's the guy that goes fishing and speaks to to the fish of the sea and they obey him they gather around the nets what a new way of fishing You need to pay your taxes? He knows where the money's at in the sea. And he tells the fish to go get it and bring it back. That's a new way of thinking. That's the kind of dominance we need to learn about. But wait a minute. Something gets triggered off here in my mind. Didn't he say from the very beginning, Behold, I give you dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every creeping thing that creeps? You see, we forgot that, didn't we? At least we forgot about its reality. He meant that. But we don't think along those lines because we're in a fallen state. And so we don't think in those terms. What manner of man are we that I can speak to the fish or the fowl or I can speak to the waves of the sea or the wind or I can speak to the tree or whatever. We don't think along those lines. But when you change on the inside... There is something that takes place through those changes that really identifies us with Jesus. And you know what? All of a sudden, those things don't look so miraculous anymore. They begin to be commonplace. Because after all, you don't know what manner of men I am. That's right. That's right. You see how you start changing and you start thinking differently? Oh, you, oh speak to the wave, nothing. No problem here. into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of God. You realize a major work of the spirit of God is to change us so that we could conform into the very person or the image of Jesus Christ himself so that we would conform to what manner of man he is. Now beloved if Jesus didn't think we could, he wouldn't have uh, been upset with the disciples for not speaking to the wind, would he? He would not have said the works I do shall you do also and greater works because I am going to my Father. Would He? Anybody here like being manipulated by outside forces, by other people? Controlled? No, we don't like that. Well, He's trying to teach us here that we don't have to be manipulated by anything, any demon forces, any sickness, any disease, any powers that are out there. If we'll just learn how to use our faith by first... Conforming to the image of Jesus, becoming the same manner of man that He is, and then using our authority through words of faith. The Spirit of God will change us if we so desire. Well, now the next question is what manner of man was He? If we can find out what manner of man He was, if we can locate that, then we can begin to conform to it in our own lives. Beloved men of faith that have done glorious things for God, exploits for God are those that dwell in God's presence that get lost in His presence until they inwardly conform to His image. They stay lost in the secret place of the Most High until their inward parts are changed by God's Spirit from glory to glory to conform to the image of Jesus Christ Himself. They are not involved with petty things such as criticism, strife, backbiting, gossip because they know it takes them out of the presence of the living God. They don't use their words improperly to criticize other people or put other people down because they know the power of their words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so they have a desire from within to be the manner of man that he was and so they get lost in the presence of God and they stay in the presence of God and they cry out unto the living God to be changed from glory to glory inwardly until they are purged from within. Until the doubt is removed and faith is refined and purified like fine gold. What manner of man was Jesus? Number one, He was a man of unconditional love. You cannot have great faith without being a person of great love because faith works by love. But He was a man of love. And I'm talking about a love on the inside of Him that was so pure that He would yield Himself to do anything that the Father would have Him to do. I'm talking about a love for His Father God and a love for mankind that was so strong that no, there was, nothing was a sacrifice to Him. He said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He made a decision of his heart and mind, that he would love unconditionally God and mankind. And what have we been called upon to do as children of God? Love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love humanity as we love ourselves, right? And beloved, until the child of God says, I want to be this manner of man, he will never have faith to the degree that Jesus demonstrated faith. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Get lost in the love of God. Love people. Love mankind. Love humanity. Love human life. So much that no matter how vile a person is, you'd want to love them into the kingdom of God. You love someone so much that you can't tolerate to see a person sickly or diseased or in any kind of a, a pain whatsoever. There is a love that you have that is so unconditional, it doesn't matter what someone does to you. It doesn't matter what anybody does to you. Why should it? Jesus didn't care what they did to him. He knew he was a winner. No matter what people did, Paul knew he was a winner. No matter what people did, it was a love for mankind that refused to take any account of the evil done to it. Why? Because it would weaken his faith. Jesus was a man of love, where there is nothing but pure undefiled willingness or yieldedness, which knows no sacrifice. Number two, Jesus was a man on fire. He makes His angel spirits, His ministers, a flaming fire. And by that I mean there was intensity in His bones. He had a yearning burning on the inside of Him that caused Him to move into the higher heights that God His Father had for Him. It was in His inward parts. Jeremiah said, "...it was a burning in my bones." a burning on the inside that motivated him or moved him to action beyond anything else. And his actions would be those that would be in harmony with God. Do you ever ever have a, a desire to do something in this life, something that really brings you enjoyment and satisfaction? It doesn't take much to get you motivated to do it if you really like something. You might be a lover of sports and a couple of guys get together and say, hey, we're going to have a ball game. and I mean, until all of a sudden something on the inside of you just goes off and you do everything you can to reschedule your whatever so that you can get out there and play some ball. True? You know, you might like uh, the fine arts and there's a show that's going on. I'm telling you, some, some of the, your friends called you up on the phone and said, we're, we're going to go and ta-ta-ta and you make plans and arrangements and all that because, oh, there's just uh, this thing on the inside of you that wants to go so badly. Beloved, our bones have got to be on fire for God. We have to want to speak to trees. We have to want to speak to mountains. We have to want to speak to disease. We have got to be so moved by that burning flame that we'll make all the arrangements that are necessary to move on to these higher heights in God. I mean, He was ablaze. Jesus was ablaze. He was on fire. And that fire will burn up the chaff. That fire will burn up the chaff. That fire, when Jesus anointed His disciples with the Holy Ghost and fire, that fire first burned up the chaff, there were cloven tongues like as the fire set upon them. I believe it went into their very hearts. I believe it burned in their bones. I'm telling you, it moved Peter to action. And he began to talk about Jesus with a fire on the inside of him like he had never talked before. It produced something in him. Can you see that? It produced something in his inward parts. A fire that would not be quenched. As Jeremiah said, I was going to turn my back on the Word of God, but I cannot let go. I was going to stop speaking the Word of God, but he said it was a burning in my bones. God wants us to have the same burning in our inward parts to be the same manner of men that Jesus was. Number three, He had a zeal. He was a man of great zeal. Great zeal. Zeal means an ardent interest in the things that God is interested in. His desire, His zeal that He had was to be in the center of God's will for His life. This zeal consumed Him it caused him to push beyond measure into the things the Father had for him in this life. It's like somebody from behind pushing you, pushing you, pushing you deeper into the things of God. How is it, beloved, when someone comes along and encourages you and incites you to get further in the things of God? It's my desire that tonight the words you are hearing are absolutely causing a fire, to to set a blaze on the inside of you, to motivate you to action, to move you to reach higher in the things of God, to dig deeper for the things of God. He is saying there can be upon us and within us a zeal for God that absolutely works like that person pushing us and pushing us and pushing us. Reach out, reach out. Beloved, I believe that is the anointing of God's Spirit upon us causing us to reach out and reach further into those things that potentially can be manifested in us and through us. I want to set aside petty things and start speaking to trees and have them obey me. I want to speak to the wind. We're not talking about just the natural wind and sea. We're talking about circumstances, demon powers coming against you. We're talking about all these forces that are out there all these attitudes among men, all these things that are out there trying to get us to submit and to be subject and subject to their authority. Beloved, no. We don't want that. Enough is enough. We want to rise up in the face of disease. We want to rise up in the face uh, of circumstance and say, no, obey me. And finally, and this is not the end, but we'll just say that Jesus indeed was a man of faith. And faith, as far as He was concerned, are you ready? laughs at the impossible. Laughs. We're talking about an attitude of the heart that when something arises that seemingly is impossible, there is so much on the inside that one laughs and says... It's done. No problem. Greater is He who is in me than he who is in the world. This mountain shall be removed. A faith that laughs at impossibilities. For all things are possible unto him that believeth. What manner Of man is this. Beloved, do you love God tonight with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength? If we do, there should be a reaching out toward God. There should be a love affair with God. There should be a a, a rising in the morning. And uh, the first thing upon our hearts and minds is, we love you, Father God. I live for you, Father God. I am consciously aware of who You are in my life and of my need to serve You. There should be a fire within our bones, in our inward parts. Something that fuels the drive to know more about Him and to walk in the same manner of life that He did. There should be a zeal about us. As He said, the zeal of thine house hath consumed me. I am so desirous to please You with my life. I want to be so focused in the center of Your will for my life. I want to do that which You would have me to do with my life. And if it means to rule and reign over circumstances by my faith, to take control of all the activities of my life, then I want what You have for me. A faith that says all things are possible because I know Him in whom I believed. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, God bless.